we're going to go to Jeremiah 18 today. Amen? Turn with your Bible to Jeremiah 18. And pastor's going to give you an illustrated sermon. You guys ready for that? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. I just want to say I love this church dearly. I don't know if y'all love me, but I love you. I do. I do. I'm so proud of what Jesus is doing in, in many of your hearts and lives. And it's just incredible. How many have found this to be a season of growth in your life? I've been talking, if you tie it all together, I've been talking the last couple weeks really about spiritual maturity. Everybody say spiritual maturity. I've found that even though you may have been saved for decades, that some of us don't get very far beyond the cross and walking with the Lord into a place of spiritual maturity. Paul said it this way, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things, right? And I believe God is calling us to come to a place of spiritual maturity. And today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how God forms spiritual maturity in our lives. And Jeremiah 18 is a great illustration of God giving Jeremiah a picture when he sent him to the potter's house He said, Jeremiah, if you see what I'm doing here, then you will know how I'm operating in the life of Israel. And we can take that promise to Israel, apply it to us as the people of God today, and to see what God would say to us. In Psalm 103, you don't have to turn there, verse 7, it says, He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. And I want to rephrase that scripture this morning this way. Israel knew what God had done. But Moses knew why God had done it. There's a difference in knowing what God is doing. And there's a difference in knowing why God would do it in your life. The reason that that is important is because if I know the why of something, then I know the heart behind it. Are you tracking with me so far? And it's so important we understand the way God operates in our lives, the way God forms spiritual maturity in our hearts and our lives. And the reason that that's important is because when just looking around and saying, God, I know I know what you're doing in my life to understand that God has a purpose behind every single thing that you will walk through in order to make you more like Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is growing up in all things Jesus and to become more like Him, to be formed into the image of God. And it's really that word form that I want to focus on this morning because I know God is forming a pure holy vessel in your heart and life so that He can pour out His Holy Spirit in to your life so that you can pour it out and get refilled, pour it out and get refilled, pour it out and get refilled. That is the flow of God that I believe he wants to introduce to many of you that maybe have not done that before. We come to church, we experience God, we get filled with his presence, his peace. But can I tell you this morning, the most important thing you can do is leave this room and go pour it out on somebody else. To go pour it out into your children, go pour it out into somebody that you'll meet along the way. Because knowing why is more important than knowing how. The same is true about a relationship with God. Listen, you can know a lot about God and not know that God does certain things in your life and not know why He is doing them. 
So Psalm 103 verse 7 says, He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. So it tells us that there's something in our spiritual lives, and I believe it's a word for this church right now in this season, is that God wants to bring you to a place that you just don't look around and see what He's doing, but you know why He's doing it. Because the why is so incredibly important. Moses knew God in such an intimate way that he shared a lot of his future and secrets. And Moses, of course, read, wrote the first few books of the Bible. He was very key. And I've said a long time ago, and I'll say it again, I want to have a relationship that is as intimate with God as I possibly can. When someone does certain things, you maybe know the acts of the person. But when you know the heart of a person, you know the motives behind it. So that gets into the why. And this is the way a relationship with God was always intended for us. Not that we would just see God do things, but we would understand that's why God does them. And it's interesting to me that God wants to reveal himself to us as someone other than just one who acts, but also the motives behind it. And if you're taking notes, this is important this morning. If you know the why, you have intimacy. And intimacy breeds trust, and trust breeds peace. And I'll say that again. If you know the why you have intimacy, and intimacy breeds trust, and trust breeds peace. How many understand the more you trust someone, the more peaceful you are with handing something over to them? Anybody else? Absolutely. And that's a relationship with God that he desires us to have. And this morning as we dig into Jeremiah 19, I really feel like we're going to have some revelation of how God does something and the why behind what God is doing. Because when I know the why, I can go through difficulties, I can go through trials, I can go through the fire. We're going to talk about the fire this morning. And we can go through those things and understand the why behind it. The why is very simple, but yet it is also incredibly profound is we are to be molded and formed into the image of, of God's Son, Jesus Christ. I've said it uh, probably a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred more, because I just love this quote from Lax, Max Lucado. Anybody else like Max Lucado? I love his books. Great Easter books, too, coming up on Easter. Pick one up. He said that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. One of the first little books I read by him was that very title, Just Like Jesus, and understanding that God is forming us. God is creating something with our lives that is created to hold his presence. Amen? I'm reminded, with this same thought, I'm reminded of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And of course, Jesus has been crucified, laid in the grave. They're not aware that he has resurrected and risen again. They're on their way a few miles out of town. In other words, they're leaving Jerusalem. They're leaving all the problems behind. They're leaving all the disappointment and the, the place that they're at in life is, man, we, we thought he was who he said he was. And Jesus, unbeknownst to them, shows up in the midst of them. And it's amazing to me because he didn't just want them. And it says he opened up the scriptures to them and began to explain the, the heart of God and the why behind the how of the cross. Amen. Or if you're in Jeremiah 18, let's start in verse 1. We're going to read and break this down into different scriptures And I've got a sermon for you today based on God forming us. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, as always, I trust in your anointing. You said you would send the helper. You said you would send the anointing to teach us all things concerning you. So, Lord, I don't want to do this in my own strength and power, but I lean heavily 
upon the ability of the Holy Spirit to take out anything that's not of you and to plant the seed of your word into the hearts of the people that is anointed by you, that is the word of God that has the power to change us today. Lord God, I thank you that you're forming spiritual maturity in us. I thank you that you put your hand upon us for a time and a purpose in such a time as this. God, we're thankful that you've called us into the kingdom for this now time. And God, we offer ourselves to be formed into the vessel, the earthen vessel, but yet filled with your presence and your glory today. God, we give you praise and honor and glory in all things. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's read Jeremiah 18 verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words. Now stop there and look this way. So here's what God is going to do. He's going to take Jeremiah to a place where he will see a picture. And when he sees the picture, he will receive a statement from God. The picture is going, that he's going to see are just as important as the words because he's going to hear it. And then he's going to see it first and then begin to hear what God is doing. Look at verse 3. Then I went down to the potter's house, obedience. And there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So today, church, we're going to look at what God was speaking to Jeremiah about. He was going to work in the lives of the people of Israel And one thing that I've learned about God, and one thing I believe this picture shows us in our spiritual lives, according to God forming spiritual maturity in each of us, is that God is a God of process. Everybody say process. That is so important to understand. Again, we're looking at the, not just the how, we're going to talk about the how, but I want you to get this deep in your spirit today of understanding the why of God. Why would God put me in this circumstance? Why would God, here we go, why would God put me in this church? Come on. Some of you are like, God, why? But you know that you know that you belong here and God has planted you here. And sometimes we step back and have to look at a very 10,000 foot view and, and look at the why of God this morning. Look at the why of God this morning. And it's not lost on me. I was really focused in as I opened up with this morning of, of Psalm 24. And Psalm 24 is a psalm that they say, historically, David wrote after he had brought the Ark of the Covenant back to the people of God. It was on his heart to build God a habitation, to make sure that the presence of God was the very center of Israel's life and had been in the Philistine hands. And, of course, he gathers up all these troops. He goes, he picks up the Ark, and as the story, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but as the story goes... They didn't put it on the acacia poles. They just put it up on what they call a new ark. They may have taken one of those big blue U-Haul blankets. Look, it's there. I promise you. Big U-Haul blankets and wrapped it up and said, let's just put it up here on the new card. And they're traveling along the road. And it gets to near Obed, a guy named Obed-Edom's house. And the cart was, was, was rocking a little bit. So poor Zai, he just reaches out and touches the ark. And when he touches the ark, something incredible happened terrible but incredible to the point where david's like i'm not going near this thing you know what i thought of the other day was poor obed edom here they come knocking on the door yeah we're going to put this thing that just killed somebody in the middle of your living room 
I mean, who does that, right? But they did. And a few months go by, and the report comes back to David, I'm sure, and they simply say, man, alive, uh, Obed-Edom is blessed. Church, when you get the presence of God in the center of your life, it brings the blessing of God. Like he was single, now he's got a, a, a wife and triplets and uh, the carrots he grows, he pulls out of the ground. They used to be this big and they're this big and he's growing all these crops and there's just a blessing of God. So David looks into the word of God and this is what I mean by a process because there was a process in order to get the presence of God to the people of God. And sometimes we don't know the why and the how of what God is doing. But can I tell you this morning, when you're following God's word and obedience, you're going to receive what God promised. Because he said this, he said, and this, we sometimes think God is focused on efficiency. Efficiency deals with products. You're not a product this morning. You're a person created in the image of God. So products, we, because this was not efficient to take six steps, stop, worship, sacrifice, and then, and then move along and take six more steps and worship and sacrifice. What it tells me about God, and in Jeremiah 18, it's talking about the process of God forming us, the process of God molding us and making us into something new, which when you offer to Him, church, church, let me tell you something, we're all just clay. <laughs> Because the first thing that the potter had to do was to collect the clay. In Genesis, it tells us that God took, what, the the soil, the dirt of the ground, and He began to form it, and then He breathed life on it. Most important thing you can understand in Jeremiah 18 when it says that we are related to clay, is all you brought into your relationship with God was dirt. Come on, somebody. Not just any dirt. The Bible says there that it's marred dirt. You may be here this morning and say, Pastor, I can't be molded by God because you don't know how bad I've blown it. I will put my blown in it against your blown it. Because I've blown it far more than anybody else in this room. Anybody say amen? Amen. No, don't say that. I haven't blown it more than you. (laughs) You all sinners. But listen, he has to collect the clay, right? Y'all, I was at Walmart at 7.30 a.m. buying Play-Doh. Not just any Play-Doh. I looked at one of them, pulled it out of the thing. It smells like watermelon. So first he collects the clay. It's simple, I know, but if you want to make something out of clay, you have to first collect it. Amen? And all we brought into our relationship with God is dirt. Not just any dirt, but marred dirt. Do you understand this? Nobody comes into the kingdom that doesn't need to be rebuilt. No one. I said it a couple weeks ago. I'll say it again. Christianity offers no help to somebody who believes they do not have any problems. And I'll tell you, our biggest problem is sin. Right? It's okay if I... It's not popular to call it sin anymore. We call it mistakes and this. Let's call it what it is, right? It's sin. Because I want to tell you something. The only clay... That the potter, and I don't make pottery, but I've studied it. But the only clay that the potter can't use is clay that is dry. What's the spiritual illustration for that, Doug? The spiritual illustration for that is that God is pouring out His Spirit and the rain of God's presence is falling in His church that we've cried out for, we've asked for. 
And church, what you have to do is receive it so that your clay can be moldable. Amen? That's what he's doing. I thought of this. Does anybody have kids and they left the Play-Doh out overnight? I'm the only one. I'm like, hard as a rock, y'all. It just... Some of you are, have been out in the world and you don't understand why your heart has gotten so hard towards God. Can I tell you, that's what this world does. Yes. This world does not naturally keep yourself soft towards God. Your heart operating in this world, that's why he said, give us clean hands and give us a pure heart. Yes. The purity of heart is something when you ask God to come and to put water upon the clay that he's trying, because the, the, the person making the vessel first has to collect the clay. You say, how do I offer God my clay? You just be honest and say, God, I know it may not. The, the other thing that the potter could not work with, secondly, was clay that had impurities in it. Man, I spent a lot of time putting these little rocks in there this morning, y'all. I'm like, man, I hope nobody sees me out here doing this. It was good. It was really good. Uh, here, I got something for you, George. Got you a little rock there. So after he collects it and he begins to put, listen, he begins to water it. That's all, that's all we can do is come into a worship service like this and say, God, just, just water. God, don't, don't let my heart get hardened towards you. Listen, if you say, how do I know if my heart's hardened towards God? Is your heart hardened towards other people? That's a good test. Because you cannot keep a hard heart towards other people and have a good relationship with God. It isn't possible. So impurities will keep God because when they collect the clay, that's the first thing they're looking for, is, is God starts into the process of beginning to clean us up. Carl, I promise I'll clean these up if I drop one. How many are thankful God cleans us up? Church, if you understand that, that, that all you brought into your relationship with God was just good old-fashioned dirt, and your dirt's not any worse than my dirt, and then you ask God to begin to soften you with the water, washing of the water of His Word, some of, the, some of the analogies that were given for the Holy Spirit is oil and wine and water. And he's in a season where he's pouring out his spirit and it's so that your heart can become moldable. But I'll tell you this right now. There's some, there's some attitudes I've had in my heart. I, I found out for maybe years that God just all of a sudden pinpointed. What's he beginning to do? He's beginning to make you usable and shapeable by just removing a lot of these impurities. He's digging down in. And what do we often say? Here's the thing. You guys know this. Here's the thing about us being clay. You're clay with a will. <laughs> God, I don't want you to dig over there. God, I, I don't want you to. I don't want you to, to get into that area. Here, work on this side, Lord. Here's what I found: is I want him to work over here. God, deal with that over there. <laughs> Actually, what we say is, go deal with their clay. I've seen. Go deal with my wife. Eating crawfish last night and sending me pictures of me. Big old plate. You guys think I'm joking. I was eating not even a, a fresh peanut butter and jelly, a frozen. I was hungry and I had to wait for it to thaw out. I hope you're listening, Leah. 
No, their service is starting right now. And look, he begins to... Aren't you thankful that he cleans you up? Yes. Because, listen, this is, a, this is a simple analogy, but it's so true. I didn't have to work too hard when I took this outside a little while ago to get dirt in it. Amen? Amen. I just, I just took it and dropped it. And when I picked it back up, it had rocks and leaves. That, that's symbolic of, of us just naturally. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. But being in the world week after week, month after month, and not reorienting yourself towards God and asking the potter to begin to pour out water and make you pliable and asking the potter to begin to clean you up and begin to take things out of your life is very dangerous because I've learned this in the world. When we're in the world, I'll give you this illustration. If I put on white gloves and go play in the mud, the mud does not get glovey. Right? So we naturally pick up things that we're not even aware of. That's why it is so incredibly important to do one very simple thing, to continually come for the washing of the water of His Word. And I don't mean just on Sunday morning. If you're just doing this on Sunday morning, your heart's collecting stuff. It's collecting offenses. It's collecting hurts. It's collecting junk that's in the world. Because we're always constantly being pushed in on by the world. And it's the only kind of clay that the potter couldn't use was if it was too dry. Listen, I get into a dry season. I'm, I'm me, myself, I just say what I do. I start earnestly seeking God. That doesn't mean that we don't go through them. There's wildernesses that God has taught me more in the wilderness than what I've learned just when everything's going good. Because I've learned in my life something very simple yet powerful, church, is some of the worst things that happened to me in the moment ended up being the best things that happened to me. And some of the things I thought were the best things in that moment ended up being the worst things because it took me further away from God. So when anything happens to me, I don't evaluate it good or bad. I just evaluate it from knowing that why God would allow or bring anything into my life is to either teach me to trust Him more or show something in my heart that needs to be removed or pour out fresh oil and wine into my life. Those are the only two kinds of clay they couldn't use if it was too dry or if it had impurities in it. So the potter first has to collect the clay. Everybody say collect. And then he comes to a potter's wheel, which I don't have. Anybody got a potter's wheel? Anybody do pottery? You know who told me they do pottery? Buddy, our piano player. I'm like, is there anything that you can't do? Listen, he collects it, and everybody say places it. He comes to the potter's wheel, and he, he, he gets on the potter's wheel, and he places it down, just like that. Church, God has a place for you. What I have noticed through all the years of pastoring and coming up in just a couple weeks, it will be 20 years of full-time ministry for Leah and I, just in a a few weeks, and uh, even longer for her. But what I've learned in my life of watching people operate is they'll, I want to tell you this this morning, you're not here by accident. There is no such thing. God is sovereign and He's in control. So if you have come to this church, you, there's a reason for God to place you here. And what I begin to notice is God has a place. It says, it says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. 
So there's a planting that God wants to do. And what I've noticed about people is they come and they go because they're, they're, they're jumping from place to place because the principle in your spiritual life is wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you jump around to, and about the time that God is getting ready, I think, to do the deepest work in somebody, and this isn't, a, this isn't some kind of a commercial for you to join this church. I'm saying you need to be in a church. You need to be in fellowship with other people that can point out, man, did you see? We all have blind spots. I've got them, and I've got pastors over me that point out things. Say, Jason, be, be careful here. Hey, have you thought of this? How are things going in your life? You live in pure before the Lord. Are you? How's your marriage? All those kind of things. But He places us in a place because it's important that again we're we're clay with a will, and we get on the potter's wheel, and we want to jump off. The potter cannot shape the clay into what he wants it to be shaped in if we're constantly jumping from place to place to place. Does that make sense this morning? So he not just has to collect it and understand we all come to God in the same way with the same condition that we all come with, with we're, just, we're just clay. From, from, ashes we, from dust we came and ashes we will return. Amen? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, the Bible says. So what God, the, 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 we know the how. I could go through this whole sermon. And it, but if you never get to the why behind why God would do the things he does in your life, it's for one simple purpose. It's because we are earthen vessels. So the value and power of our lives is not found in ourselves. It's found in who's in us. Amen. But you've got to be collected. And that's somebody that just simply says to God, God, I, I want to be usable to you. God, I, I want my life to mean something. One of the best things that you can understand about God, because everybody usually comes to church for looking for one simple thing. I want to be happy. You want to be happy? Do God's will. <laughs> Do God's will, and that brings the happiness into your life. I wake up with joy. I do. I woke up with joy this morning just looking forward to being here. I got here early. I'm just, I'm excited to come into the house and worship with you and to see what God's forming. So he, he first collects it and then I'll make this a little bit stronger. And then he comes along and then he places it. You don't get to choose where he places you. you did you choose what family you were born into? No, you did not. That's why it's so important when you are looking for a church, you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit, where do you want me? If, if every, every Christian in this county would just start with that simple prayer, then our churches would function like they're supposed to function. Because I've noticed is, all these years of ministry, what I notice is when you finally start to get to know people and you finally start to kind of get close, most of them don't want that. They've got a wall built up. And listen to me. If there's a wall built up between you and other people, I can assure you there's one between you and God that you have built in your life and in your heart. Because God desires for us to have fellowship and relationship with each other. And, and it only comes through being planted, being planted in the house of the Lord. So first he collects and then he, he plants, he pushes down. Second Corinthians 4, 7 is where it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. 
The scripture tells us that we're not worthless, but that the worth is who is living in us. Amen? Because there's a, there's a theological bend that basically says that you're, you're just an old worm on the ground. and you're, That is a theology. It is. It's, listen to me. You have more worth in your pinky than what you could ever be aware of. God loves you. God wants to form something in your life. So we can offer to God, it's our choice, we have a will, we can offer to God clay that is ready, or we can offer to God clay that isn't ready. And then he goes on and he places it. God places you and plants you where he wants. It's Psalm 92, 13. That those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. But yet we sometimes go through seasons where... Has anybody dressed a two-year-old? Yeah. What do they do? Squirming. They're there, and then they're over there. Looking at you, Sean Crump. Alyssa Crump. Then they're over there. And then they're over there. Spiritual maturity begets the understanding that God will lead you and plant you somewhere for your blessing, your flourishing, the relationships that you have with one another. Here's the third thing. He shapes the clay. Everybody say shapes. So, so after collecting the clay, and listen, in that season that you may be, and I have a money back guarantee for everybody in here. Money back. You are in one of these four places right now. These four places that I'm talking about, you are in one of these four. Because after he begins to place the clay, he begins to shape it. And here's the beautiful thing about just understanding this this word picture that he spoke to Jeremiah that applies spiritually to our lives. The potter already knows what the end result is supposed to look like. The clay does not. And when I began to really ponder and think about that, even this morning when I got here early and was just sitting there thinking about the clay, I, I thank God that he's not a cookie-cutter God. I thank God that you add your own little spice to the kingdom of God, each and every one. Some of you spicier than others. Some of you KFC Christians, amen? Seven herbs and spices. But it keeps the rest of us praying. But God does not make cookie cutter. God doesn't want all of us to look the same, dress the same, and act the same. He does not. The beauty and diversity of the body of Christ is understanding He gets to shape it in the form and fashion that He wants to shape it. I walk into church and everybody's dressed the same, looks the same, and talks the same. I get nervous. I do, y'all. I'm ready for the Kool Aid. Come on. I'm so, <laughs> and then look, you guys know this just by watching things, and maybe you've, you've had a pottery class in college or something, I don't know. But once he places it, so important to be placed, planted, the potter has a vision for what he's creating. He's got a vision for your future. Some of you need to hear it. He's got a vision for the spouse that he's going to bring into your life when you are ready. So you don't have to worry about the spouse or the answer to the prayer that you're praying right now. Our job is to stay on the wheel and let him form because when he places that down on the form, then here's what he does. He begins to spin. 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 Has anybody been in a season of spinning? Places that down. I really thought maybe I could... Spin that on my finger, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do it. Let me just... No, 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 no. 
Here's what I've learned about my life. See if you relate to this. Here's what I've learned about mine. Is that there's never not something that God is not working in my life on. Never. Matter of fact, I heard this one time and it just struck me so strongly. Is God is actively probably doing roughly 10,000 things in your life at any given moment. And you're probably aware of two of them. Because when the clay begins to be set and the clay begins to be formed, then what you enter into, church, is a season of spinning. Spinning. What does spinning do to you? It disorients you. It makes you want to get off the wheel. It makes you want to say, don't form me, don't touch me, I don't want to spin. used to pick my kids up and just spin them around. Selfishly, so I could see him through this, but that, that's another sermon right there. But I remember what they always said Daddy, don't let go of me. Church, you can trust your Heavenly Father to put you in a season where everything seems like it's spinning and disoriented. But again, we can look at that and say, God, I see the how. But, church, you need to understand the why. Of the spinning season. Because each and every person in this room is either in one of those four places. You're either in the place, number one, that you've got to offer to God your clay. You've never turned your life completely over to God. You've never said, God, I, 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 I want to be... Listen, when you come to God, He takes out a heart of stone. And He puts in a heart of flesh. And then He begins to form and He begins to mold. Not so you can be a cookie cutter Christian and just like everybody else. But that you can become like Jesus. That's His ultimate goal. But even Jesus went through times where, I mean... Father, if it be Thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thine will be done. And that's, that's that's, that's our response as the clay in this picture... Is God, I'm not sure what you're making, but God, I know you're good and I trust your heart. Because when you know the why behind something, it breeds intimacy in your life. And intimacy will bring peace. One thing I want you to leave here today is a peace in your heart that if you belong to God, He's a good Heavenly Father with strong, capable hands that are forming in you a greater level of glory than what you're walking in right now. A greater level of faith than what you're experiencing right now. Because when he places it, and why does he do that? It's so that he can fill you up and pour you out. Fill you up and pour you out. This is a place where our greatest level of trust, everybody say trust. Trust. You have to have trust in the potter. You have to have trust in what he's doing. Faith is based on knowing the word of God. Trust is based on knowing the heart of God. Amen? Amen. I'll say it again. Faith is based on knowing the Word of God. Trust is based on knowing God's heart. And when you know God's heart, you can walk into any disorienting, uh, spinning season with understand. And listen, once He's spinning, and it's, it's a good rate of spinning, 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 spinning. Anybody else just feel like you've spent, been spinning? Oh, man, I've been through a season like that where I'm like, I don't know which end is up. Don't know which one's down. And then the next thing that you get 
is pressure. Everybody say pressure. pressure. Amen. That old pressure. So because the potter now begins to lay his hand upon the clay. And I've watched videos and watched other things of, of how clay is formed. And it's interesting because the, the potter has an image and a, an understanding in his own mind of what this finished product will look like. Some of you are so worried what the finished... He who has begun a good work in you shall complete it. The potter who has begun to spin you and put pressure on you knows exactly what he's doing, exactly when to do it. And at different times, listen to me, at different times, and you've all seen this, they'll take a little bit of water and just rewater it. I've, been, I've walked in this path enough, and some of you that might be baby Christians, let, let, me, let me fill you in on how God operates in our life. I had this happen to me just a few weeks ago where God just poured out on me right there in my office in a very profound way. That didn't happen the next day or the day I, you understand? It was God putting water in my life because he's wanting to form something greater in my life. But if you don't understand how God operates, if you don't understand the why... It's simple to me, and this is important, it has to have just the right amount of pressure, spinning, and moisture. And then you may walk through a dry season for a few months, listen to me, he's just getting you hungrier for the next thing that he has. I've been just just overwhelmed by God's presence before where that that momentum will carry me into a whole new place of faith. Carry me into, into a whole new place... But listen, when I look around and I'm like, God, I want, it, I want that that I just had. He's, he will pour out on you when you need to be poured out on. All you do is offer your clay. <laughs> but I've also seen the pressure that starts like this begins to really go in. Amen? Again, you are clay with a will. You are clay that can basically say, let me out of here. <laughs> Let me off the wheel. Stop. Can I tell you, I wonder if we ever reach the full potential and maturity that God is trying to do in our lives because it's some place in the process, and God is a God of process. Some place in that process. Some of you look at your jobs and you wonder, God, why hadn't I just been promoted or moved to a different place or have a better? Listen, it's because every circumstance that he's putting you through is custom built to form something beautiful and glorious in you. He, so the potter lays his hand. And if you don't understand this process, then here's what happens. We can be found trying to escape the pressure, blaming the devil. Come on. Yes. All the while, it's God putting the pressure on you. Yes. Pressure is forming something incredible out of your lives. And as a side note in verse 4, it says, "...as it seemed good for the potter to do." You do not direct the potter in how he's forming the vessel. This is where trust comes in. Everybody say trust. Isaiah 45, 9 says, Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, He has no hands. So when we're in the process of pressure and spending, Spinning, ours is one of trust. God is going to finish what he started. Or maybe that's a question you came in here with. Is God going to finish what he started? Yes, he is. What is our part to play? 
to just lovingly give ourselves over to God. And what he's doing, as the, 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 the pottery maker is spinning that, what he is doing is he's, listen, and this is important, he's, he's feeling for any irregularities. Church, we've gotten in the position we are because we haven't allowed God to really deeply form our lives around Christ and His crucifixion and resurrection. It's the cruciform life that God wants to do in each and every person in this room. Because He's, listen, He's looking for irregularities that don't belong in the final vessel that He is creating. And we don't, we, we, we chafe against the pressure, we chafe against the spinning, we, 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 we get up rebuking the devil. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you belong to God, you're His child. Amen? Amen. He's your Father. And everything in your life is Father filtered. Don't go running around here thinking the devil just has willy-nilly say-so in your life. He does not. A lot of times we give him the authority ourselves by our own words, (laughs) by our own attitudes, by our own things that we do. We're giving him free reign in our lives and an open door. Number four, he fires the clay. Everybody say fires. This is a process called curing. The clay has been given. The clay has been placed. The clay has been shaped. And it's molded. And the vessel has an outward appearance of something useful. But it's not done yet. Because it's placed. That's why I got a cookie sheet. And I'll clean this myself. (laughs) I know some of you are laughing that work with me around here like, you don't clean nothing. He puts his cups <laughs> by the sink. Man's a lion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to remember to clean this. So it's formed and it's placed and then it goes into an oven. Church, I've talked about this before and again, I'll say it again because it is so important because we have Christians that may have submitted themselves to being formed, may have been submitted themselves for God's pressure in their lives, and then they get on the other side and they're like, Yay, I'm done. <laughs> Honey, you're just getting started with God. Because this process of the clay being formed into a vessel that God wants to pour into and then out of and into and out of takes a fire. Because churches are full, I said it before, of doughy Christians. Yep. They never spent the amount of time in the fire. They Listen, I kind of envisioned a little window on an oven. And here you are, put a little face on him. And the heat starts cranking up a little bit. Listen, here's what happens when the heat comes. When the heat comes, it takes little impurities and begins to mold them together. When the fire comes, we can either run to the window. Let me out, let me out, let me out. And God is so gracious, y'all. Listen, He is so gracious, He will let you out. Calm you down and then put you right back in. You say, how do I know if I've run across a doughy Christian? Number one, they're they're not planted in the house of the Lord. There is something so valuable about the house that will create fire. And we think tension in relationships is wrong and ungodly. Listen to me. Tension is what makes a sailboat go forward. 
Tension is not bad. No. It's not at all. I've found tension in my own life points me back to something that God has put me in the fire to change. We worry about changing everybody else. Some of you are all like, yeah, put him in the fire, Lord. Put Guess what's coming for you? They need to be baked real good, God. In church, it, it not only shows impurities, it will act, actually show any little pockets that are in that vessel that nobody else can see. And what ends up happening in some people's lives that don't go through the fire? They explode. Has anybody seen somebody that will not repent of hidden sin and their life comes apart? Alexis, if you'd come to the piano. So, as I mentioned before, everybody in this room is either in one of those four places. I guarantee it. You're either in the, in the here it is, you're in the place where... This morning, you can just offer to God and say, God, I'm just clay. I'm dry, and I see the things in my life that need to be plucked out. I need you to remove some stuff. Or you may be visiting here and saying, man, I need to plant myself in a church. You do. It may not be this one. We're not everybody's cup of tea. Amen? But God has a place for you. Because there's something beautiful about us. There is no separation in the body of Christ. Right? None. You, we need each other. We need each other to challenge each other, to, to show each other different areas, things that only some people can teach you will happen right in the midst of our lives being formed together by God. So you're in that place where you're just like, God, you know, I, I feel dry in my life. I know there's things that aren't right. What's the answer? God, after he collects the clay, then he plants the clay. And then after he plants the clay, he begins to spin and he begins to form the clay, which is a place where we can get very disoriented and feel very much like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Listen, that's where you trust the heart of your Heavenly Father. That's where you trust those difficulties and those fires and seasons that you go through. Where God, I'm not sure what you're forming in me, but I know it's beautiful. And the reason it's beautiful is because the, the, the earthen vessel has the, 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 the presence and the glory of God in it. Stand with me this morning. Do we have any plumbers in the house? Anybody ever plumbed? Plumbers? I have two things in my family, preachers and plumbers. On my mom's side, my, my grandfather was uh, had a plumbing business in Jackson, Ohio, and his son took it over. So my uncle Richard was a plumber. His son became a plumber, still in the same town up there in little old southern Ohio town of Jackson. But when they would get done with the job and plumb everything, they would do a test, and it was called the pressure test. And what they were doing is putting that system that they had installed under the most pressure that it could possibly handle so that it would show a problem here while they could, listen to me, while they could still fix it rather than have it cause a problem or come apart later on when it was much more difficult. Church, God always gives us space for grace. He does. He always steps back and he's saying, if you don't allow me to put you in this fire at this time, 
then the impurity, that, that air pocket, that place that is going to cause you something difficult in the future, God is always trying to form us now before he has to come back and start all over again. I'll say this, I don't want God to have to start all over again with this man. Because I've been through too many fires. <laughs> I've been through, through too many formings. I've been through too many spinnings. I'll tell you this, this is a process that plays out over our entire life. Because even as in Jeremiah 18 that we read, does God not have the right to look at the vessel and say, let me reform you? I'll say this, and this is, this, is, this is the Holy Spirit speaking right now in this moment. Some of you have gotten to the place and of an age in life and ministry where you kind of said to God, God, I'm good. Everything you formed in me, I'm done. That is the worst thing you could ever say to God. Because God is consistently and constantly wanting to bring you through the process of going from faith to faith and glory to glory. It's always a journey. It's always a process. And then some of you have just been put slap into the oven, <laughs> the fire. Looking at groups of people, I know a lot of the things going on in your life. And as I have walked through the last year and a half, many, many trials and fires. But I, I can honestly say this. I've, I've said, God, I don't like this. We can say that. Amen. You can go to God with your honesty. Read the Psalms. They pulled no punches. What I've learned is complaining about God is, is incredibly wrong. Complaining to God is called worship. That's good. I don't care who you are. A lot of times you go around complaining about God. What God wants you to do is bring his complaints unto him. And then he will reveal his heart of why you're in the circumstance that you're in. Maybe something needs to be plucked out. Maybe... Maybe there's something that he just, he just looking and digging in and says, hey, that, that's going to cause you a problem in the future. Let's get it out now here at the beginning. Amen. Then the pressure and the spinning comes. Mm-hmm. Then we end up in the fire. Listen to me this morning. The heat is good. The heat is for your maturity. The heat is for him to expose anything that may cause trouble down the road. Amen. Some of you here today are at this stage right there. You've allowed God to plant you. You've allowed God to spin and mold you. And now you're in a fire. Let me encourage you. Hang tight. God is doing this for your good and His glory. 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't think it's a strange thing to enter into the fire of God. Because when we come to God, those He loves, He chastens. He scourges every son he receives. So there's that process that he takes us through to continually make our hearts more pure for him and for others. Bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And Alexis, we're going to sing that to end today about God just making a new vessel out of us. I want to ask this. First and foremost, you've just never presented your clay to God. You've seen your life as your own. God, my life's my own. I can do what I want, when I want, and how I want. And that is one way to live, but the end result of that, let me tell you this morning, is death. Death means that you'll be separated from God for eternity if you don't come to Him with an honest heart and say, God, 
I've blown it. I've messed up. I'm full, full of dirt and stones and sticks and, and, and my clay is dirty, but I have no power to do anything about it. Here's my clay. Could I ask this entire room this question? If you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. You say, God, I just want to offer you my clay. I want to make a new start. I want you to, to remove anything that, that needs to be removed. Would you shoot your hand up? You're saying, I want to commit my life to him fully and completely. Amen. 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 Let's pray this together. Father, I come to you today and I offer you my clay. I ask you, God, to take out this heart of stone and to put in a heart of flesh. Father, I have offended you, a holy God. I turn away from my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you this question. For the rest of us, if you'd shoot your hand up, you can, you can open your eyes. Open your head and close, bow your eyes. <laughs> Let me ask this question. Who's been in a season of spinning and pressure and fire? I got my hand up. Can I pray for us? And we're going to end by singing this song, Make Me a Vessel. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for myself and everybody that just raised their hand. We... Lord God, thank you for the fire. We thank you for the pressure. We ask you, Lord, today, don't take your hands off. We need you. Don't pull us out of that fire too early to where down the road we'll look back and realize of why we're not formed the way we're supposed to be formed or we're not fire tested the way you desire for us to be fire tested. Because, Lord, we look around at this old world and we understand there are some fires ahead. There are places where we're going to have to take a stand on truth. And God, we're not, we don't need to be half-baked. We need to be fully formed and fired by the Holy Spirit. So Lord, today, as we sing this song, it's not a song. It is a prayer to make us a vessel today. Alexis, lead us a couple stanzas of that. Me a vessel. Lord, make us a vessel this morning fit for the Master's use. Lord, we remember your word today that in any house there's vessels that are of dishonor and there's vessels of honor. Vessels of honor have just been those ones that have allowed that process to play out and to be formed and and beautified. You need to hear that. God is making something beautiful out of the season you're in. He is. That's who he is. There will be something beautiful come out of it. So, Father, we're thankful that you're making new vessels. You're growing us into all things Christ. You are causing spiritual maturity in the Christ-formed life in each and every one of us today, Father. Father, I bless the people of God at Christian Center Church. Father, for all those who are off on spring break and all those who are, Father God, traveling and at the fair and 4-H and all those different things that our families are involved in this day. God, we pray together as a church that you would watch over, protect, and bless them, not only here today, but those who are off. And God, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory, for it's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed, blessed, blessed. Listen, we'll see you tomorrow night at 630 if you're able to come to prayer meeting. And uh, Wednesday night, we're going to continue Isaiah 53. We started to study Wednesday. 
So Isaiah 53, verse by verse on Wednesday nights leading up to Easter.